the latest edition of How Might We? And today we're going to be, I'm joined by Zaida Zayad, Zaidi, sorry, I do apologize. And the title of the podcast this week is How Might We Get Results? Uh, so welcome, uh, Zaida. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience, please? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Scott. So I'm Sayada. What introduction do you want? I love coffee. <laughs> I'm a Londoner born and bred. I, I'm now, I can confidently say, I am now the author of a book called Results, the Art and Science of Getting It Done. I originally trained as an architect, spent 10 years working in local government, managed to escape that, and then qualified as a business coach and really for the last 10 years have been doing that leadership development work and also kind of training people online. Okay. And so obviously we met earlier this year as part of the exchange community. So we had the pleasure of working with the lovely faculty up at exchange and looking at appreciative inquiry and how we can work on people's strengths. So I think we're both coming from the same mindset of a positive outlook on life and positive outlook with people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I love the whole, everything about exchange I love. And I think the more that we can adopt a kind of flourishing and a thriving approach to life, the better it is, not just for the outcomes that we get, but also for the general day-to-day experience of life. And I think we need more of that right now. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of negativity around us and division. So it'd be quite nice to have more positivity and appreciation each other rather than concentrating on what's advisors rather than looking at what actually unites us which is usually a lot more there's usually a lot more commonality with us than going on okay so you said at the beginning you can say with confidence that you are now an author so why where's this confidence come from that you can actually say i am now an author well i've written a book so that's one thing i suppose the thing is is that you know i mean you know the the journey that i've been on that i've shared Uh, quite openly within the exchange community about my imposter syndrome and some of the things that I had to overcome. And I think the support that I've had of people within there and the events that I attended has actually been really, really helpful in terms of developing that ability to say things with confidence. So before I think I would have been a little bit apprehensive of, of saying it, and now I, I really believe it. And, and it's really funny, right? Like a few weeks ago, before we went back into the second lockdown in England, I went to the market to buy my mum some slippers. Strange story, but anyway. And, and the guy um, was just chatting to me and he asked me, what do you do? And I responded by saying, I'm a coach and an author. And as I was coming home or as I was walking home afterwards, I was thinking, gosh, I actually said it out loud. Like I've been thinking this thing for years and never had the confidence to become the writer. And here I am now, you know, with a book and it just feels kind of quite amazing. Well, it's not an, it's not a insignificant feat to write a book. I don't think, I think, but they do say that everyone's got a book in them, don't they? So, but it's having that confidence, as you say, the confidence to go out and do it, finding, most people say it's finding the time, but also the confidence to put your name to something and put it out into the ether and just see how people react to it. So the book is Results, The Art and Science of Getting Things, Getting It Done. So when I read the uh, the preamble that you sent me uh, earlier on this week, one of the things that struck me is, did you settle for it? Uh, the story about the the story you had about the the sneakers if we want to talk about the american version or or the trainers if you're in the uk and then you've got the the quadrants about the on the plan and the action axis 
And that really struck me because it's about, about settle for nothing. And I sort of, I think I live my life there, to be honest, because I, I, I have adaptability high. So I rarely plan and I just go, yeah, that's life and we'll just adapt to it. But I really, it really resonated with me, that thing about settling for things. So do you want to just expand on that sort of the axis and sort of how that, how you came about that sort of model? Yeah, so I mean, I share the story of, of you know, visiting the US and, and going shopping with my son to buy a pair of trainers. And you know, it, it's very easy, isn't it? Like when we want to buy something, a lot of times we're very clear on what we want, but sometimes we will just settle for um, second best or even settle for nothing. And there are times when all of that is correct right? Like if you've got your heart set on something and you can't have it, then maybe just delaying have the purchase or having it is absolutely fine. But I think the problem that we face in the world today is that too many people are just giving in to the settling for nothing or settling for mediocrity or even settling for somebody else's agenda, right? And I really am on a mission to help everybody only settle for the very best. And so to, to come to the question that you asked, you know, did I settle for some, I mean, when I was writing this book, my standards were very, very high. They are high, you know, and I was not willing to make compromises, which is probably why I ended up taking work back from people that I'd outsourced it to, because some of the stuff that was being produced was just not, it was not acceptable. And if this is going to be kind of like the first book that I put out there, and I've been lucky enough to kind of get endorsements and support from some really amazing people, I need to make sure that it's to that right standard. Because if it's not, then I'm not just letting myself down, I'm also letting them down. And so I will only settle for the very best when it comes to this book. And really, when it comes to the stuff in my life, that doesn't mean there are times when things go wrong or, you know, you've got to make compromises, but you do it strategically and you are aware of what is going on. So it's a deliberate kind of decision to de reprioritize something because perhaps it's just not important. But for the really uh, critical things in our lives, 100%, I'm a firm believer we should only be settling for the very best. Yeah, and I, I quite like... It's interesting you also said that you said if this is when this is my first book so there's that you've definitely committed to writing another one i picked that up there is i do think that we do kind of just settle for sometimes especially the story said about your son going to buy the sneaker the, the trainers wanted one because we were running out of time then just said well I, I, I came for a pair of trainers even though i came for a specific pair i just want to go away with the pair of trainers and they're not the ones i really want and in that time i think what happens is I'm not a scientist, but it's that instant gratification type thing, isn't it? At least I've got what I came for, even if it's not what I really wanted. But then I think in a week or two weeks time, you'll be sitting there putting these trainers on going, yeah, I'm not too happy with these. I just have to live with it. Yeah. And, and then you're kind of compromising in the long run, but also you're, you're not experiencing the joy that you would otherwise. And guess what happens? You know, I know that in the past, actually, when we've compromised and he settled and bought something, then a couple of months later, we end up buying something else because he's just not happy and I don't want him walking around miserably. So imagine if we take that idea and apply it to our own lives. There are areas where we have settled, but we've not done it deliberately. And we've then got to kind of like do even more work to get us to a place where we're comfortable and we are content. 
And when I use these words, that doesn't mean you're compromising. By comfortable, I actually mean happy and, and joyous and kind of really uh, enjoying that, that experience of life. Okay. And that, that, that makes perfect sense. So just want to go back. So this is kind of not intuitive. The next question is, so the book's called The Art and Science of Getting It Done. And Settle is one of the first things that you come across as the model uh, within the book itself is that sort of a concept. So what's the general thrust of the book then? So if people who obviously don't know what result is, because obviously it's, that's your model. Yes, yeah, so RESULTS is an acronym and it essentially takes you through a series of different steps to be able to kind of take your dreams and hopes and ideas and ambitions and turn them into a reality. And um, part of the reason I wrote this is because we have a lot of ideas and thoughts and projects that we want to work on. But I think one of the biggest challenges is a lack of implementation. And in order to really implement, you need a couple of things. I think you need to have the right mindset, but you also need a clear process that helps you to plan things out so that you know what you're doing and you're committed to it. Now, in the book, I kind of teach uh, simple project management processes but I also kind of would not expect everyone to complete all of the frameworks. The thing is that if you are not a planner, you're still a project manager. And as long as you know how you're going to organize your, your day or your week or the project that you're working on, then that is how you make progress. And so in terms of the, the kind of beginning piece of that is really about how do you orient yourself and I've created a concept called the results GPS and that is essentially to do with you know understanding what your intention is for something what's your identity uh, how do you show up in integrity and also the implementation and I know for myself that if one of those pieces is missing then chances are you are not actually going to make the progress that you're seeking. Once you've done that and you kind of know where your starting point is, the, the next two phases of the results method are to do with reaching beyond and evolving into the best version of yourself. In the kind of reach phase, I've identified a number of what I call showstoppers. And these are things like self-doubt and self-sabotage and imposter syndrome, procrastination and uh, having a fixed mindset. And the thing is, is that I think rather than try and uh, change some of these things, and what we do is we experience a level of resistance. So certainly in the journey that I've been on, it's about moving from resistance to acceptance. And when you do that, then you allow, you know, whatever your behavior is in terms of, for example, for me, it was imposter syndrome to, to kind of still continue, but you're, you're responding it to it in a different way. So rather than it becoming debilitating, which it was for me, it's now something that I know is there and I know that it will serve me in some way, shape or form, but I keep going because that imposter syndrome is not going to go away. And actually, in some ways, I don't want it to go away because it is of value to me and it enables me to make sure that I show up in a particular way, that I'm in integrity with what I'm trying to do. But so the question then is, how do you take these things? And I kind of call it, turn your Achilles heel into your superpower. 
And once you've done that, your approach is very different. And that is the point at which you're then ready to really kind of start to understand who you are. And so evolving into that best version of you means that you look into the values that are important to you, identify your strengths, look at your communication style. And, you know, I... One of the things I found really interesting, right, is that we spend so much time trying to understand other people, but we don't spend sufficient amounts of time trying to understand ourselves. And we come up with visions and with plans for things that we want to do. But because we've not done the work to understand who we are and what we stand for, sometimes those things are kind of academic and they don't really mean anything to us. And I can tell you myself, I've spent the worst thing that I did actually on this um, kind of area is I once spent six weeks doing a visioning course, created the most beautiful vision and plan, printed the whole thing out in color, 200 pages, and it just sat on my bookshelf because I wasn't connected to it because I hadn't done all of this work. So as you've done all of that, you then get to the place where you know what you're working on and why you're working on it. And that vision that you create then kind of cascades downwards into the projects that you select, into the weekly schedule that you create for yourself. And even down to the tasks that you're doing, you know how all of these things link back to your vision and how that then links back to who you are and your identity and your values and, and your strengths. Okay. Yeah, a lot of companies need to work out how to do that for their companies as well as just on an individual basis, looking at what's come out in the news over the last couple of days. And that goes back to the role of values. And I'm, I'm a strong believer in the values that we have in ourselves and trying to identify what they are and having the courage to stand up for them. But I think as that's it, I don't think a lot of people actually really connected to what, what is important to them deep down. It gets it becomes quite superficial. Not in a negative way. We've no, as you say, I, I like the, the fact you said we spend too much, to, we, not too much. We spend a lot of time concentrating on other, ourselves. No, sorry, other people. We, we forget about trying to go on that journey of discovery about ourselves. So you listen to people, what's important to them, what do you really want? And then we never really ask ourselves those questions. Yeah, and I, and I think it's a real shame. You know, I mean, when, when you start to understand what you want from life, actually, you can be of so much more service to other people because you then know the things that you're committed to and what your convictions are. And chances are, I mean, even, even in terms of like your family relationships and your friends and things, you will show up as a person that is more dedicated to them because you know what's important to you. And it's, look, I've not always been like this, so don't get me wrong, right? I've had to put in a huge amount of work and a huge amount of effort. And even a couple of weeks ago, I sent, I gave a, what, a friend of mine some, some advice and the kind of conversation paused. And the next message I sent to her was to say, look, I've been working on myself for 20 years, which is why I'm able to send this message. Had I not done all of that work and had therapy and counseling and coaching, I would not be as self-aware as I am right now. And it is hard work. It, it can sometimes uh, feel really grueling, but you know what? It's so worth it because you show up as you are. And that is one of the most authentic things that you can do. And I mean, real genuine authenticity, not the kind of, you know, fake authenticity that some people encourage us to have. I want, 
you know, Scott, you know me, right? I'm going to show up just as I am. If you like it, fantastic. If you don't, that's also cool. My job is not to change for anybody. My job is to show up in the best way that I can and to be of service. Okay. I like that bit. And it's just about some people can sometimes take that. I think that too far not to change for anybody. You've got to accept me how I am. I think we can be the best and adapt to help other people. But we can only do that when we know ourselves sufficiently well to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, right? When you when you when your intention is to be of integrity and to show up in service, then yeah, you can adapt. But that doesn't mean that you're changing the core of who you are. And I think that's the key thing here. It's really about kind of like, you know, showing up as yourself with the aim of being of service and of support and doing it without compromising who you are. Yeah, I, I yes. Because I think some people just say, you know what, this is me, you get used to me. And if you like me, fine. If you don't like me, that's fine as well. But I'm never going to change. And I think they take that to, I'm never going to change my behaviours. And I said, no, you never should change what, your values are and you can change your behaviors but still be in line with your values absolutely i i agree with you 100 on that i think that we have to be adaptable to certain situations right but you've you've got to kind of like know what you stand for and stick to it and and that can change as well right like in my 20s i was probably more i don't know i just had a different kind of energy as you mature and as you learn a bit more about yourself you just you know, you become more comfortable in your shoes. And, and with that comfort, I think it has to come an edge because that kind of cycle of continuous learning is always making you want to improve. And so be confident and comfortable with who you are, but continue to evolve. If you're not doing that, then I think you're kind of doing yourself a little bit of a disservice. Every day is a school day. 100%, 100%. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the classroom or, or virtual classrooms these days. And I love, I love, and I don't use the word deliver training. I love to facilitate. Because I think what you do is when you're talking to people and you're, and you're open your mind to other people's ideas, you're learning all the time anyway, because everyone, everyone has these backstories and stuff. And I think that enriches everything you do, having that, having that openness about people. And uh, if Helen, who's uh, writes me my training, my training programs for my Get Fit, Get Fit for 50 program that I'm on, and I've got a target to reach. I've had the training plan downloaded for a month. Next stage is to print it. <laughs> the next stage is to actually do something with it. So I might have to take some of your tips on actually how to structure my day. Because I always say I'm really tired. I'm really busy because I'm being up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm doing stuff. And I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it? All this stuff that just gets dumped on top of us. And if we get that clarity, I think that gives us the, the clarity, gives us the ability to then make the better life choices for ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's not always easy, right? Like, I mean, you shared that you've been getting up really early for the last few days to deliver training. I've been getting up really early to make sure that I meet certain deadlines for the book. Is this something that I want to do forever? Absolutely not. But needs must. And because I know what the end goal is and what I'm trying to achieve, it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice. Does that make sense? I think if you go back to Dan Pink, Daniel Pink, and I do think if, if you've got something you truly believe in and, and there's a purpose driving you towards it, and it's a bit, I think you get into that flow, the flow state. And I, I think he's Hungarian. I can't remember. I can never pronounce his name. Never. I used to Mihaly get, Csikszentmihalyi. <laughs> so that sounds like 
yeah, I'm not going to say what, how I try to remember that. And it's not that one, but, but his state of flow. And I do think if you've got something like that, where it is, it's, it's not a chore, it's something you're really interested in. I think it's like hobbies, isn't it? If you love fishing, you'll get up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning to go fishing in the dead of the night and you feel energized because you're doing something you love. And it's yeah, 100%. not that. So yeah, I can, I can understand that I come out sometimes getting up at whatever time it is or doing what I'm doing. And it is hard work, but it doesn't feel like hard work. You come out of it energized rather than coming out of it exhausted. But I think yeah. it comes down to being sort of driven by that purpose and those values, which is the driving force behind what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, look, I'll be honest, sometimes, you know, I, I'm lucky in that I've got an indoor bike. Sometimes I don't want to go on it. Right. But I'm I've kind of taken that and put it into what is the end result that I'm going to get if I do that piece of exercise and I've linked it to my ultimate vision. And because I've done that, those excuses that you create for yourself when you don't want to do a spin class or you don't want to go for a run or whatever it is, they kind of go away a little bit because you've connected the the activity or the task with something that is of a much, much higher value. And, you know, I'm talking about exercise. For me, one of the most boring, mundane things that I do in my life is cook on a daily basis. I don't enjoy it and I'm not going to claim to enjoy it. There are times I love cooking, but the regular routine of it, it just bores me. However, the reason I'm happy to do it is because I've taken that task and attached it to being of service to my family and then attached it to what is my kind of higher value and my vision for life, which is to support my my family. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden, these really irritating things actually become so much easier to do and are integrated into your life. Yeah, and totally agree with it. That again, they get that we're going back to that purpose. That's the purpose that's driving the behavior. But even if you go to like negotiation, if you can negotiate with people about a higher purpose, then what they're doing becomes less relevant about what we're trying to achieve. So we become much more flexible over the tasks that we're asking ourselves or other people to do because we can say, yeah, we're trying to achieve something. And to achieve that, and I so said, just before we came on air, I said that the question from reading Elvin Turner's book and we discussed on the podcast the other week is a brilliant question. What needs to be true for dot, dot, dot. And I love that question. So what needs to be true for me to get what I need to achieve? And I think that can help uncover some of those things that allow you to have that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think we, we sometimes set intermediate goals. So mine is to get fit for 50. So obviously I'll be 50 in April next year. So when I put a chunk of weight on because of not because of lockdown, see that's bad language because of lockdown, it's not what I could have, what I used to be doing, I don't do anymore. And I didn't substitute with anything else. So I can't blame lockdown. It's me who's done it. And I want to lose, I want to get back to where I went back to that level of fitness I had before. So that was it. It's a 50, do that, but, but, but obviously it's still not resonated. I still haven't connected the dots in my head yet where what I'm doing now because as we talked about developing something on my own is the thing that's driving me more than the exercise. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, my advice to you, which is one that I've had to kind of like swallow with a lot of pain is that it's really easy when you're busy to kind of give up on exercise and to eat food because it's convenient and things like this. But that has a detrimental impact on your level of focus and the quality of the work that you do. And so for me, even though there have been times where 
I, I really just do not want to kind of, you know, drink the water, do the exercise, get the amount of sleep that I need, et cetera, et cetera. I've forced myself to do it because I keep thinking if I don't get it right and I make a mistake or if something isn't to the standard that I want it to be, I that could have happened because I haven't taken the self-care piece. And there is actually a, an entire kind of uh, phase within the results method called lead. And that is about uh, leading yourself, leading in terms of service and also leading your schedule. Now, the, the piece that I think many of us don't do is lead ourselves. We give it lip service, right? We can show up for work. We can do all of these amazing things, but we're not leading ourselves because we're not doing that piece about self-care. And I, can, I mean, I can share for me how that shows up in that I can be so compassionate to the rest of the world, but I have very little compassion for myself. And that then um, is really not very useful. And I've had to learn how to have more compassion for me to then allow me to come through some of those periods of struggle and challenge and all of that other stuff. Yep. And as even in basic health and safety, isn't it? You can't help other people. You make sure you're safe first before you can help other people. So if you have a tendency to help other people and say, are you in the right place to be able to do that? And how do you need to look after yourself to be able to deliver that to a higher level? Yeah. and you'll, you'll love the story at the beginning of that chapter because I essentially talk about when I went sailing when I was 16 and I was lucky enough to kind of go on a tall ship there was maybe about 30 um, girls that they took we left Southampton went to San Marlo and you know various other different places and came back and um, it was a period about four weeks, I think we were away for. And one of the stories is when we were kind of, I think it was a force eight gale. And it was just, it was one of the most scary experiences of my life because this tall ship that should have been like that was like this. And so it was all hands on deck. We all had to kind of like muck in. And a friend of mine hadn't clipped in, right? Or it didn't look like she clipped in. And I couldn't carry on with doing the work that I was assigned to do without making sure that she was clipped in first. And that this thing about safety is so important. So we need to make sure that we take care of ourselves in order to take care of other people. Okay, so that's another aspect of the book. So is so what does so we've looked at most of the model and then we get to the, the bottom part where you're talking about thrive and succeed. So what what's what do they sort of cover in and they, they seem self-explanatory to be honest, but how they sort of build on what you've done before. Yeah. So the the thriving piece is really about kind of looking at the three environments that you exist in. And I think the three environments are your people environment, it's your physical environment, and your psychological environment. And um, We've spoken a bit about the psychological environment, so I, I'll kind of leave that for now. But the people environment is really important in that, you know, what is your support network? Who are the kind of people that you're surrounding yourself with? You know, we are the sum of the people that we know and the people that we spend time with. And especially now where human interaction is so different because a lot of it is through the lens of, of a camera. It's, it, I think it's really, really important to make sure that you are engaging with people who are supportive of you. I mean, I know for, for myself, 
the reason why I was able to have that big insight about my imposter syndrome was because I was all of a sudden thrown into this community of really amazing people. And the minute I said it, a lot of people said, you know, of course, and, and I have the same thing and this is what I do. And all of a sudden there were all of these suggestions and even just people saying that they experienced the same thing made it much easier for me. So that piece about surrounding yourself with the right people is absolutely critical. Then uh, in terms of the physical environment, you know, like so many of us are working from home, but if we're working in chaos, then you don't have that right mindset. And so, yeah, you know, degrees of mess is okay, but there will come a time where it just stops you from being able to have the, the higher level of thought to be able to be in flow and to be able to produce good quality work. So I think it's about how do we make sure that we manage our physical environment correctly as well. And then lastly, in terms of succeeding, I think there's something that's not quite right about the concept of sustain, sustainable success. And I will openly admit that's actually something that I used to teach in the past. But I realized that when it comes to the concept of sustainability, you reach a certain level and all you're doing is trying to aim to stay at that same place. And so the example that I use is like, imagine, you know, you've, you've got your first job. Let's say you've got you know, 25K a year. And then 10 years later, you're still on 25K. I mean, who's going to sign up for that? Nobody, right? But if you adopt a flourishing approach and you really look at how can you keep growing and how can you keep developing and you use some of the tools that I share with you in terms of like the project three by three, which is where you pick three projects and you work on it for three months and you set yourself three kind of goals within each project. When you do this kind of thing, your life will continue to improve and you will continue to feel that progress. And that is really where flourishing comes from, because when we experience uh, growth and we experience progress, you know, the research shows that your subjective well-being, your happiness, your contentment, all of that is much higher because and it comes back to the experience of life. It's just such a better experience of life no matter how small that progress is or how big it is it's just about you feeling that and that's where the flourishing really really is in my opinion okay and i, I like the, the concept of that sort of constant evolution and constant desire to to get better and to have more because I, I know we were on a, a, i don't know if you're on i think you're on the same event where john was talking about this concept of sustainability even in how we use the word sustainability for climate change and he thinks this is the wrong word because to sustain to stay where we are we don't want to do it's not about stopping doing the harm we want to do good we want the planet to be flourishing and us to flourish in the and i think even the language we use and how we describe stuff can change the whole conversation about what's going on yeah absolutely and i think when people start to understand it and and they kind of move on from that conversation of using the word sustainable then that's when behavior changes because otherwise people are just doing the same thing because they think they're doing enough. And obviously that enough or whatever's happening is just not sufficient in order for us even to get back to where we were five or 10 years ago. Yeah. Something radical has to change and the way we look at it has to. And I think that's, as you say, that's, so a lot of what you're saying now about at, at the personal level is interesting because it's very much about, and that can be at a corporate level as well. 
Yeah, so I, you know, one of the tests that I put the results method through as a, as a beta was actually taking a small company through it. So I wanted to make sure that it works for individuals as well as for a company. And, and it's, it's amazing, you know, like organizations have values and they have a vision, but unless they live it, there is a disconnect between what they've got on their website and how they're showing up and doing the work. And so taking the senior leadership team through the results method was certainly very insightful. And they were then able to kind of cascade that down to the rest of the organization. Uh, In the beta test, even with individuals, it was just really, really brilliant seeing how people use this methodology and also then kind of understanding some of the, the tweaks and the changes that I had to make. And it, it's really kind of like, it's an ongoing process. I, I said to you earlier, you know, I have a list of things that I want to add in and amend and kind of for the second edition, but it's primarily a couple of things that I want to add in and, and include more case studies and, and really expand on, on some of the kind of theories that I've shared, but it's got to stand up. And the fact that it's, it works with individuals and organizations, I think, is testimony to the method and the process. Well, if you look at what an organization is, it's a group of people working together. And we do business with people. We don't do businesses with business. So I think yeah. anything that's about behavior and values that we can get, that duality of let's look at our values as an individual, but let's look at our values as a team or as an organization as well, is um, definitely worth exploring. Uh, and so... Yes, I can definitely see the duality of application. Well, there's a posh word, duality of application. It just came to me in one of those little instances that I have, which is really freaky. You're going to copy that down now, aren't you? Duality of application. I think it sounds like a book title. <laughs> there's the title of your second book, Results of Duality of Application. I was thinking about yours. Oh, I know my book title. Mine will be Influential Leadership, which strangely enough is a lot about what we talked about, getting that, that self-awareness and understanding of the values and getting that purpose driven first and then let that drive behaviors afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Concepts relatively similar. The framework's slightly different. So we're sort of coming from the same, same mindset, I think, which is probably mm-hmm. why we met and both like things like exchange because it's the same thing, is it? Let's, let's get out there. Let's make this world a better place or help people make the world a better place. Which is hopefully it is because there's enough negativity around anyway. Don't really want any more of it. Shame on us. So is there anything else you would like to add? Because I am conscious of the time. So, you want to- um, Not really, other than, you know, I, I want to encourage everyone to get a hold of the copy of the book. There is a, a free training that is available that goes with the book as well, because, you know, we, we do live in challenging times, right? And I know that, you know, a $15, $20, 20 pound book is, is not going to be within the reach of everybody. So there's a free training that is available called the Results Circuit Breaker. It's got seven parts to it. 10-minute videos and a tool that goes with each of those. The idea behind that is that people can then at least make some progress. And once you get to the end of it and you understand yourself a little bit more and uh, you've identified the projects that you want want to work on, then that gives you some traction. So that's available. You can get hold of the book either from Amazon or you can go to results.partners and uh, there's special bonuses for people who want to bulk buy too. And really, I I think the, the key message is if anyone's got any questions about the method or the process 
process. All they have to do is find me on social media, send me a little message, and I will do my utmost to help and to support in any way that I can. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much on behalf of people who would like to contact you. So they go to your website and in there they can get access to some free stuff to help them along this journey. Because it sounds like there's something that you could you could just iterate, iterate and go through again on a, a continual basis, like a, a cyclical process. It's not not tick the box done, I'm happy. It's let's do this and then you can just use it to sort of, as you say, your results GPS all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, before our conversation, one of the the realizations that I had is that I need to sit down and plan my next three by three because I'm going to meet some deadlines today. So as soon as that happens, I, you know, what's next? And that is really the question that the the book begins with. What is next? If you don't know, then that's where that kind of settling piece comes in. Okay, so the GPS about first set set where you need to go. And so there's some questions in the book to help people sort of formulate that process for them and yeah absolutely i mean i i coach people as well help people through this and it is it is good to be guided by other people through this process for yourself so um I encourage you if the training is free go for it if you want to get the book go for it as well just to help give you that guidelines and sort of somebody to nudge you in the sort of questions and process you can do yourself and ask yourself because it is is so much harder to do on your own than it is with somebody being there with you, even if that is just somebody um, writing a book with a process or some little bit of training with support. At least there's somebody on that journey with you, which helps. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much in ha- in attending one of my totally disorganized, un- unstructured interviews that I, I do. That I, it never seems to go wherever I, d- I don't even know where they're going to go. But, um, I, I I don't know. I, I wouldn't I would not say it's unstructured and unorganized. I would just say that I think it's a really, really natural conversation. And so I, I have to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come here and to share this message. And it really is a, an honor and a privilege. And you asked some wonderful questions. So that's testimony to to your kind of power and your ability to really approach use that kind of flourishing approach that you know we're all trying to develop and adopt as a lifestyle afwan <laughs> at the conversation before i had to drop some arabic in there because i've been working in the middle east this week so and you were testing my arabic before so i had to prove i knew at least one word <laughs> so there we go so we we will finish on a multilingual sort of conversation Please don't finish any more Arabic because I will not know what you're saying. And that's it. I've pretty much, alas, I'm at the edge of my Arabic knowledge now. (laughs) It was great talking to you. And uh, I'm sure we will, we will, we will meet again. Don't know where, don't know where. There's a song there somewhere. I'm sure there is. I'll see you again. I imagine on one of the exchange communities events. And obviously we will, we stay connected. So I will keep an eye on how your book's going and good luck for it. Thank you. And uh, au revoir. Okay, thank you very much.